So the soul matters theme for this month is on attention. I've spoken recently a few times about paying attention to the climate crisis and paying attention to our souls and how they're damaged. Some folk found these sermons provocative and perhaps a bit agitating. You may also have noticed during each sermon I talked about that spiritual part of ourselves, that more elusive, undefinable aspects that we long to have a deeper connection with. I do believe that we are spiritual beings, but some of us, and perhaps many of us here, do not know how to nurture that spirit. How do we attend to that part of ourselves? So today I want to take a chance to talk a bit more, and I want to offer a chance to participate in some practices that may be new and different, opening and challenging to you. So when I first started seminary, my first class was in UU theology, and one of the assignments was to have a spiritual practice for half an hour each day, although I didn't understand what that had to do with theology. <laughs> I was in seminary, what the heck? <laughs> now prayer is something I always thought I should do, and I wanted to try it. I've heard so many people say that prayer is something that really makes them feel connected and grounded, and so I wanted to have that experience. I wanted to be able to try that too. So I did what I thought I needed to do. I created a space where there was a chair and a place I could go and relax, a place I could go each morning and close my eyes. And I did that. I would go to my chair. It was outside of my house, and it was looking over the buttes in beautiful Prescott, Arizona. And I would sit down, and I would close my eyes, and poof! Suddenly, I was washing dishes, or I was in the shower. It was almost magical how I would be propelled out of my chair and into busyness. I couldn't sit still for even five minutes without unconsciously moving back into doing chores. And when I forced myself back to that chair for that one half hour of punishment every day, <laughs> I would sit there and I would think about everything that I had to do. I'd think of all the people I was worried about, all my anxieties and all the things that I anticipated coming up during the day and what I had to do first. When I could finally quiet my mind from what we call monkey mind processing, I actually realized as I sat there that I didn't know what to do. I mean, what was I supposed to do as I sat there? Okay, that was it. <laughs> so it really made me wonder, so what is prayer? What is it that we're doing when we pray? And it made me think about when I grew up in the Presbyterian Church and the types of prayers that we would do. When I grew up, we learned the prayer of attrition. How many people remember the prayer of attrition? Yep. That is when we sit and dwell on all of our sins. We think of the things that we did. Those are the prayers of commission. I mean, the sins of commission and the sins of omission, the things that we didn't do that we should have done. And sitting there thinking about those things really did not have much appeal to me. So then I thought about praise. 
when I would sit there and we would talk to God and tell him how great he was, and I actually couldn't figure out why I would be interested in doing that. So then I thought about the prayers of intercession, and that's when we ask God to heal someone or intervene in my life in some way, and you know, that just did not seem right to me either. So I didn't like the prayer of attrition, of praise, or of intercession, so what was I supposed to do while I was sitting there? You know, here's the monkey mind, what am I doing, what am I doing? I realized these prayer forms weren't meaningful to me because they were based on thinking of God like he was a person, like some corporal being, and I just didn't think that way about God. In fact, I didn't have any idea what God was or who he was, and so then, because I was in seminary, I spent the next couple years delving into what was my understanding of God, and I explored that, and I spent a lot of time with that, and so I never got around to praying very much. So good excuse, huh? <laughs> and yet, I still had that desire to have a spiritual practice in my life, because the people I admire most are the ones who seem so grounded in having a practice. They seem more solid, more authentic, and more calm than me. And over time, I did develop a practice. I call it meditation, but other people could call it mindfulness, and some people could call it prayer. And I was reminded of this journey and inspired to talk about it several weeks ago when someone in one of my theology classes said that they didn't know how to pray. And it occurred to me that if I keep standing up here talking about how we needed to be grounded in a spiritual practice, then we actually need to learn how to have a practice that does something that helps us connect with that spiritual part of ourselves. How can we feel connected to our spiritual nature when we don't know how to have a spiritual practice? And what could prayer look like in your life? So how do our leaders talk about it? His Holiness the Dalai Lama said this about prayer. I think prayer is, for the most part, a simple daily reminder of your deeply held principles and convictions. I myself repeat certain Buddhist verses every morning. The verses may look like prayers, but they are actually reminders. Reminders of how to speak to others, how to deal with other people, how to deal with problems in your daily life, things like that. So for the most part, my practice involves reminders, reviewing the importance of compassion, forgiveness, all these things. The Bishop Desmond Tutu says, one image that I have of the spiritual life is of sitting in front of a fire on a cold day. We don't have to do anything. We just have to sit in front of the fire and then gradually the qualities of the fire are transferred to us. We begin to feel the warmth. We become the attributes of the fire. And as we take time to be still, the qualities are transferred to us. The Unitarian Universalist minister Eric Walker Wickstrom has written a book titled Simply Pray. And he explains how to pray he invites us to notice that when we feel the presence of the divine, the sacred, and the holy, he says, experience this first. Ex take a moment to experience what is divine and what is holy. 
pay attention. And after you can develop, after that, you can develop your theology in action. But pay attention first. Pray first, then think. In Mary Oliver, the poet says, I don't exactly know what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention. Paying attention, being present, being mindful. Developing a spiritual practice is a way to assure we lead a more examined life, breaking out of the busyness that absorbs us. Too often we meander through our days or we're caught up in a rut doing what we must do or what comes most easily to us or simply reacting to the demands of life. Scott Alexander, another UU minister, has written a book called Everyday Spiritual Practices. And in the book, he talks about how you can spiritually examine your life to achieve more wholeness, satisfaction, depth, and meaning. He is a long distance runner, and his run is his spiritual practice. Because he's intentional about running, he finds it deepens his connection with the mystery. He suggests a spiritual practice can be any activity you do regularly and deliberately that deepens the quality of your relationship with the miracle of life, both within and beyond you. What prayer does, however you call it, meditation, mindfulness, spiritual practice, it opens your heart and it increases your awareness. I believe it also sustains us. These moments of attention connect us with that center, with our center, and we move into the world in more authentic and grounded ways. I believe this type of practice makes us more whole, and it allows us to work for justice and to be with others in ways that connect us rather than alienate us or anger us. So this morning, we're going to take time to practice several ways to be mindful, to pay attention, or to pray, to become more in touch with that spiritual aspect of ourselves. We will focus on our senses. It is said that to sing is to pray twice. So we will listen to music, and we will participate in music, and we will sit in some silence. We will do some practices that make us think a bit, and some that take us into a ritual. Let's explore each of these with an open heart and an open mind, with a wondering about what would this look like in your life? We have the honor of having Steve Wilhelm lead us in a guided meditation, a practice he has had a lifetime of experience with. Hi, everyone. So uh, this will be the, uh, the seven-minute meditation, instruction, and practice. And um, talking about mindfulness meditation, which as Reverend Nancy was saying, is about being present in the moment. And you know, we, we suffer in life when we're not right here, when we get pulled away from just being in this moment. That's because so much of what pulls us away from equanimity is in our minds, in our minds and hearts. We get tugged by thoughts and emotions. We think about the past and future. 
you know? But the future doesn't really exist. It's just anticipation. The past is all gone. It's just memory. And with all this stuff tugging at us, like the monkey mind she was talking about, we just spin around inside, have a lot of things that aren't about right now. And that makes it hard to respond, say, to the person right in front of us who might want to be heard by us because we're somewhere else. So, despite all this, and also, you know, if we have deadline pressures and just things are moving too fast and it's really hard to just relax and be here in the moment, in the middle of too fast, but this is 2019, so that's how it is. So, the good news is we can cultivate, over time, peace and equanimity in the middle of all of that. And that's what we're going to do is get a chance to practice briefly uh, doing that. So all this stirring I'm talking about, it's, it's in the realm of the mind and heart. And a lot of it seems like it's up here to us. And so to try, like Mary, like, excuse me, like Reverend Nancy was saying, to try to sit on our chair and just be present, we spin out on all this thinking. But we have a friend, which is our body, in terms of practice. Because our bodies are here, and they can help us ground in the moment. So that's what we're going to work with for these few moments. So in mindfulness practice, we can use our bodies to just be present and start to feel that. Like you're sitting in your chairs. I'm going to kind of walk you into into meditation and we'll sit for a few minutes and then I'll hit the gong at the end. But just kind of sit up straight. Like sit up straight, because we're talking about alert. Sit up straight and feel where you are. Like feel your butts on the chairs. Just feel that. You know, feel your feet on the floor. Just feel your body right now. I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes. Now you're here in this moment. And now the special friend is our breath. Because no matter what's happening, as long as we're alive, we're breathing. And this subtle, almost like a metronome, thing is happening in our body. So find the sensation of your breath. You might feel it in your nose, at the tip of your nose. You might feel it inside of your nose, maybe in your diaphragm as it rises up and down. Just settle in the moment of your breath. Right now, in this moment, If a thought arises, it's like a bird just flying by and then it vanishes. You can kind of watch it go by and let it go and go back to your breath. If a sound arises, you can just be aware 
a sound and let it go and go back to your breath, to this moment. Gently bring yourself back to this moment, to your breath. The point is to be aware of what's happening moment by moment, whether it's sound or breath, car going by right here, right now. Thank you very much. And if you, any of you ever want to sit together, first and third Thursdays, seven is a really seasoned group of practitioners, some of whom are from this congregation and some of whom are not, but it's a really seasoned group, so come on over. Thank you. We're going to do a practice called Lectio Divina. This is a long-standing practice done in monastic settings, and it has four separate steps. There's you read, you meditate, you pray, and you contemplate. So usually, when this is done, they randomly open a Bible, and they read a passage of scripture, and then they reflect on the meaning. And this is followed by prayer and contemplation on the word of God. Instead of teasing out the meaning of the entire text, you select one word or phrase and you focus on that. And this practice can be done with almost any text that comes to us. It doesn't just have to be the Bible. So today we're going to do this practice with the blessing written by John O'Donohue titled The Longing. So I'm gonna read this through and you can follow by reading the words on the screen and then I'm gonna repeat it. And as I repeat it, I want you to write down one word or one phrase that impacts you. Some word or phrase that jumps out at you seems more bolder, more important. So just listen. Blessed be the longing that brought you here and quickens your soul with wonder. May you have the courage to listen to the voice of desire that disturbs you when you have settled for something safe. May you have the wisdom to enter generously into your own unease, to discover the new direction your longing wants you to take. May the forms of your belonging in love, creativity, and friendship 
be equal to the grandeur and call of your soul. May the one you long for long for you. May your dreams gradually reveal the destination of your desire. May a secret providence guide your thought and nurture your feelings. May your mind inhabit life with the sureness with which your body inhabits the world. May your heart never be haunted by ghost structures of old damage. May you come to accept your longing as divine urgency. May you know the urgency with which God longs for you. As I read this through again, please use the note card and the pens that I put in the pockets of every seat in front of you. And as I write, as I read this again, just write one, one word or one phrase that really stands out for you, that is like, hmm. <clears throat> Blessed be the longing that brought you here and quickens your soul with wonder. May you have the courage to listen to the voice of desire that disturbs you when you have settled for something safe. May you have the wisdom to enter generously into your own unease, to discover the new direction your longing wants you to take. May the forms of your belonging and love, creativity, and friendship be equal to the grandeur and the call of your soul. May the one you long for long for you. May your dreams gradually reveal the destination of your desire. May a secret providence guide your thought and nurture your feeling. May your mind inhabit life with the sureness with which your body inhabits the world. May your heart never be haunted by ghost structures of old damage. May you come to accept your longing as divine urgency. May you know the urgency with which God longs for you. We're gonna now share a gratitude practice. This is another religious practice, and one I do regularly in my daily meditation. It gives me something to do. <laughs> People who have a regular gratitude practice take time to notice and reflect on the things that they're thankful for. As a result, many experience more positive emotions, they feel better, they sleep better, they express more compassion and kindness, and they even have stronger immune systems. This has been studied. In my practice, I take time to think about three things, reflect on these. The first thing I ask myself is, what am I grateful for? On this journey that I've taken into ministry and the choices that I've made in changing my life, what am I grateful for? The second thing I ask myself what am I grateful for on this earth as part of this natural world I exist in? And the third thing I ask myself 
is what people are in my life that I'm grateful to be able to love. We're going to practice this. I'm going to ask you what you're grateful for, and I invite you with your answer to speak them out loud from where you're sitting. Say a word or two and speak your gratitude into the space we're all sharing here. It's okay to speak at the same time as other people. This is less about listening, and it's more about speaking out your gratitude to fill this holy space. So take a breath in and reflect first, and then count to five. And speak out loud, who is it that you are grateful for? Who inspires love in you? I invite you to take another deep breath in and out and reflect. What is it that you are most grateful for in your life? Thank you for being willing to fill this space with gratitude. And now I'm going to ask each of us to participate in a ritual. I'm going to have everyone who is willing and able to come light a candle. The ritual of lighting a flame is an act of being present. It signals an intention of being attentive to this moment. So please light a flame to represent your attention to yourself and your attention to this community, to being here as one part of the light of this community. You don't have to line up to do this. You can surround the table and you can stay as long as you want. You can meditate on the flames up here. You can light candles up here and there's two tables in the back that you can come up and light a flame at. Now let's practice listening. Attending to the music of our choir with our hearts opened and our mind resting.
treat each other as